Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator. Deandra here with Bill Goldberg. How are you? I got to tell you, I have to be honest with you. You're a good friend of mine. I like to keep it on the on the full honesty meter, man. I am so excited for this show, and it's the first time I've ever been excited for this show to talk about a Ford. To talk about a Ford. <laughs> first time <laughs> talking about a Ford. Um, yeah, so we just came back from Monterey Car Week, and Wait, uh, I, know, I know how awesome everything was at Monterey Car Week, but can we please just jump into this new car because it is freaking killer? Yes. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I got a chance to sit down with Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, a little bit. Um, we rolled into town. Adam Cole and I, uh, we rolled into town. Went directly to the Ford event. They unveiled the Mustang GTD, and then. <clears throat> on Saturday, we got to sit down with Jim a little bit and like, what what's going on here? What's going on with this car? So the Mustang GTD, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, it's because you've been under a rock and uh, <laughs> it's been all over social media. And honestly, it's it's kind of been the big news out of Monterey Car Week. Uh, and that's kind of strange because of what always goes on at Monterey Car Week. Yeah. First and foremost, that it's an American car. Yes. And a Mustang. But now it's an expensive Mustang, right? Let's not hide it. It's $300,000. So Monterey Car Week is kind of the audience financially that you're going after. But this kind of speaks to what we've been talking about the past like two years is like these car companies are debuting cars at, you know, at. Uh, at Rensport and Goodwood and Monterey and even, you know, Woodward Dream Cruise and a little less, you know, at the, you know, auto shows, the auto shows are going to end up being good to see cars and get in them and see how they feel when it's open to the public. But the press events are turning into these specialty events, higher end events, uh, and you're right, Mustang. Listen, I, I'm not trying to pick on the other American Dodge brands, but you know, or or Chevy or whatever. But they were not in Monterey Carrick. Now they were there with Alfa Romeo and Maserati, you know, but not with Dodge and Chevy. Like Cadillac is there, right, with those brands. But to take Mustang and make it the flagship announcement instead of something like Lincoln was interesting. Well, yeah, but I mean, now we all know why they were so quiet during the 170 <laughs> hoopla, right? They yeah. had something up their sleeve. And I mean, hats off. I, this thing is aesthetically beautiful. And quite honestly, mechanically, it sounds like a dream, right? So it's, um, it's, it's, 
it's a badass car. So I I want to try to open this document. I'm having this error with it, but um, the Mustang GTD is basically I I'd say it's a a race car for the street, but a Le Mans car for the street. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of where it it all came from was to be a Le Mans car for for the street. Um, but if you think about it, Porsche has, you know, 911s and then they do their GT versions, right? Their GT2, their GT3, the RS. And you look at the car and go, I get it. It's the 911 and it's the pumped up version of it. It's not necessarily a completely new engine and whatever. So there was some talk about, hey, the Mustang GTD is going to be this new supercar from from Ford and it's going to have, you know, a five, you know, maybe 5.5 liter twin turbo V8, whatever. And it doesn't have that, uh, but also the amount of cost and R and D and time to get that developed wouldn't, wouldn't make much sense. So it basically has the GT 500 engine in it, uh, which they said is going to be kind of turned up a little bit to at least 800 horsepower. It's 760. Now it's 800 horsepower, but it's the repackaging of the vehicle that it's in instead of a big heavy gt500 it's it's basically in this this race car that is full carbon fiber body magnesium wheels transaxle carbon fiber drive shaft go into a transaxle 50 50 weight distribution uh massive massive brembo brakes it's got cantilever inboard suspension in the rear so in the in the where the rear seat would be. You've got this crossover coilover system, which I saw in person by, by the way, this isn't, this isn't, uh, you know, like the, the streetcar stuff, like the, the, the mounts for this thing, even the front suspension, when we saw it up on the, on the stand, uh, it's kind of a, a strut, like a McPherson strut coilover, but it's a huge billet aluminum pieces. And, and it's, a. Uh, what you're saying is it's not a SEMA display. It's it's not. No, this thing is sick. So Ford, uh, I, I credit Jim Farley and the people at Ford Motorsport wanting to really push into uh, racing again, make that kind of uh, at the forefront of, of the brand um, for anything from drag racing to Lamar to everything they're getting, you know, NASCAR, everything that they're getting into. And, uh, you know, Farley's a big, a big fan of racing. When we sat down with them, I'm like, man, you're doing some racing this weekend. And, you know, like, I know you want to race Lamar, wink, wink, like what's going on there. And he's like, he's like, listen, he goes, a lot of automotive CEOs like to play golf. He goes, I just don't like golf. I like to race. <laughs> Power to him. And, uh, and, and I said, all right, so are you going to race Lamar? And he goes, well, all the teams are independent. There isn't a factory team. They're factory supported, but they're independent. And he goes, so I need to put together a racing team. And he goes, and I've made a deal with my wife and I've already blown my racing budget until next March. I go, Lamar's not till like June. He's like, there you go. You, you might be on to something here. And I said, all right, GTD, let's talk about the car. And, and uh, uh, how did this come to be? And he said that, so he was working with Ford Motorsport and Multimatic. Multimatic is the group in Canada that builds the racing cars. And when he went over to go see the Lamar car, 
walked through it, got into the testing, you know, in the car, you know, the whole presentation on what the Lamar car could be. And then when he saw the version of what could be raced and, and I I've got an interview with him when he gives me like a seven minute reason of why the GTD exists. And then you can hear me go, basically you said, I want this Lamar car for the street. And he's like, that's exactly right. He goes, that's what I wanted. I saw it. It was so cool. And he goes, I, and, and I said, let's, let's, yeah. it's like put together. He, he tasked his team, the Ford performance team and said, is it, can we make this happen? Can we do it in a timely manner? Like, how do we make it happen? And they came back pretty quickly with the proposal of Multimatic and whatever. And he said, okay, let's do it. Now let's, let's see if we can launch something, you know, a concept at car week. And, and they did. And that's really what he wanted. He's just like, why not just have the coolest car? But again, he sort of was citing Porsche as a fan of Porsche. He's a fan going, well, we've got the cool street car. We've got Mustang, Dark Horse, GT, you know, probably another Shelby coming out. Why not have a, you know, a GT3 or a GT3 RS equivalent of the Mustang? If we're going to be in racing, why not have something like that? And that's where GTD came in. And uh, as we said, it's sort of, sort of on the Mustang, the first of its kind suspension. Uh, it adjusts spring rate and ride height settings for track and street conditions. It's got active aero, uh, supercharged V8, dry sump oil system, eight-speed dual clutch transmission with a rear transaxle, uh, carbon fiber drive shaft, 50-50, almost perfect 50-50 weight balance, magnesium wheels. It's got Acropovic titanium exhaust. It's got carbon ceramic brakes. None um, of them cost any money either. Yeah. So, and I get it. So people are going to go, oh, for 300 grand, I'm just going to go get the Porsche. Um, but keep in mind that guys that like this car, maybe buy this car, may already have the Porsche or several of them and may just be more of American muscle car guys. And they want the super version, which they never really had before. Now they have this option, right? They have, they have this option. They're Ford guys. And they went out and bought that GT three because that wasn't, that was the option that Ford wasn't giving. Right. So now. Um, Getting up on the car. And seeing it in person, it's it's intense. Like the the front fender uh, uh, vents on it, the rear scoop that goes. I believe that's a diff cooler. So the vents on the side, everything is functional. Um, I think between now and when the car is released, something like eighteen months, I'm sure you'll see some options that weren't necessarily announced now that they're still working out. This says magnesium wheels. And a lot of people were asking about the carbon fiber. And I'm sure there it seems likely there will be some sort of like carbon fiber wheel option. Um, and the wing, I think, is optional. And if you see it, it accentuates the fastback style. Instead of the wing being mounted on the trunk, it comes off of the C pillar. So it extends out the back of the car. And then the trailing edge of that wing is active. That thing moves. Um Anyway, it's it's a cool piece. I think we'll get into the details more as uh, as they become available. Um, Makes a Mopar guy dream of a modern day AAR Cuda. 
it, it does, right? Like you start to think about, but to make something like that happen, there would have to be an overall effort within the company, like like what Ford's doing, like maybe their sights on Le Mans and some sports car racing. Um, and at, at Stellantis, there are other brands that they're focusing on for that type of stuff, right? Like Maserati or Alfa Romeo, whatever. So, um, but Maserati and Alfa Romeo don't drag race, which is why we get demons in 170s. We can dream. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's cool, cool car. Uh, I like what they're doing. Um, the way it was sort of explained to us, it's going to be the buying process is going to be a little bit like the Ford GT. There's going to be an application and you get chosen and they'll make a limited run. I don't know exactly, but if it's anything like GT, maybe it's like 250 cars a year for four years or or whatever. I'm sure as we get closer to a release date, we'll we'll get into all of that. But uh, anyway, cool piece uh, from there. We went directly to the Acura event. We saw Acura ZDX. They're all electric SUV. Uh, they did a great job. The design is on point. It's, you know, it's something that they had to do. And I think it looks good. It's definitely one of the better looking, uh, you know, electric SUVs out there. They, you know, they didn't. So many cars are like, we don't need a grill. So let's remove it. But then the cars look weird having like this flat kind of stubby nose. So anyway, they kind of fix that. <laughs> uh, that was all Thursday. Uh, Friday, we went out to the quail and, you know, the quail. Again, we've explained it. it's like this is amazing car show that's curated by Gordon McCall uh, and his team in the middle. Um, and then you're surrounded by the manufacturer car booths, big displays, and of course, all the food and beverage and the great wines and, you know, you know, meats, caviars and, and you know, and there are some crazy displays like helicopters and private planes. And, and uh, it's a it's meant to be a super over the top event, but not the Walmart crowd. It's it's not really the Walmart crowd. <laughs> it's not, but everyone's welcome. It's like if you get a ticket, and by the way, the ticket, the ticket is a lottery as well. So you know, but the ticket is like seventeen hundred bucks. <laughs> so that's an expensive lunch ticket if that's what your plan is. However, the quail is turning into a little bit like Goodwood Festival of Speed, and that. All the manufacturer car booths are pretty much announcing or displaying something new. Uh, anywhere you go, you know, Bentley, uh, Pininfarina, Hennessy, Singer, Gordon, Mc Gordon Murray, uh, even Myers Manx, a Gateway Bronco, B Pagani, uh, Bugatti, like all Ferrari, all the companies there they have cars but also they're rolling out something and it, there's a press release that comes with it uh so if you if you kind of want to see the supercar or the hypercar version of like LA Auto Show that's it you know Ferrari doesn't even go to LA Auto Show anymore but Ferrari is in is in Monterey Car Week right so there's a reason for that um 
That being said, some really, really cool stuff. Pin and Farina's got some crazy electric supercars. Hennessy was there with Venom F5s. Singer's doing the turbo cars now. And the wide body, you know, version of the turbo, it's it's the 934 and a half. It's basically the 934 and a half or a 935 in street trim, given the whole Singer treatment. Uh, done really well. But... Not necessarily for everyone, because the singer has done so well with uh, with kind of the naturally aspirated 911, both the skinny fender and the flares. But now this car is a much bigger car. And uh, there was a few people that like, I absolutely love it. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And there's a few people going, I like the little singers better, you know, so it's it's it, it's evolving. And it definitely has a certain flavor to it. Um, well, yeah, everybody's got their opinion, right? That's good. Yeah. Options. Yeah. Listen, uh, and they're going to be fine, right? Like, it's not like they're going to, like, oh, sales are down. It's like, there's still going to be a three-year wait list to get <laughs> yeah. it. Um, uh, roof. Uh, I, I, so impressed by this company. Um you want to think that they're a Porsche company because their cars look like kind of a, a, a modern interpretation of an air-cooled 911, but this company is so unique and been around for a long time that there's nothing Porsche on that car. Everything from the body being full carbon fiber to the headlights and the gauges are all built and sourced by them. So they build a car that essentially looks like a Porsche 911, but there's nothing 911 on it. And it's a huge undertaking what they do. And they really do it well. Now, Gunther Works is doing it. Singer's doing it as well. But uh, but Roof is really just a, a bespoke car company. They always have been. I mean, they have been. But believe. I mean, just because it looks like a Porsche they're not doing anything that Gordon Murray isn't doing, right? Gordon Murray's like T50 and his T33. That's their comp car from, you know, from scratch. And Roof is kind of the same way. Um, that being said, uh, we got to sit down and talk with Gordon Murray as well. And as much as I'd love to get into his cars, you know, he's like, you know, T50, it, you know, had a high benchmark because the McLaren F1 was such an incredible car. Um and uh, T33 is the two-seater. The T50 is the three-seater with the center seat. And he said, you know, the T33 is just a an amazing sort of road-going sports car. Uh, and they they debuted a T33 Spider. Um, and I went to him and I sat down with him and I said, Gordon, I, I got to ask you. I was like, the T33 Spider is gorgeous. But you being you... It seems like that, I don't know, that this is a marketing push. Like, I I don't see you, Gordon Murray, taking your ultimate two-seater sports car and cutting the roof off of it and compromising the car. And he goes, that's a very, that's a very good question. He said, I knew I was going to do a spider at some point. He goes, so when we put pen to paper on the T-33, I sat down with the engineers and the benchmark is they designed T33 Spider first and the T33 Spider met had to meet 
all of his like torsional rigidity, handling, performance, had to meet all of the specs without a roof on it. And he goes, so instead of compromising by making a spider, he goes, that's not it. The spider is the cool car. And he goes, when I put a roof on it and made the coupe, that's a bonus. It was the cherry on the top. It got a little bit stronger. He goes, but I don't even need the roof on that car. He's like, the roof could basically be decorative at this point. I go, I see what you did. Why he's uh, Gordon Murray. That's why he's Gordon Murray. It's like, yes, he he met all of his goals with the spider. Then he's like, I guess we could put a roof on it too. Uh, instead oh. of going the opposite direction, going, let's cut the roof off. And then adding all of this bracing and, and whatever, right? Um, you know, it, he's not the first one to think of this, but him doing it here, you know, him explaining it. And, you know, he's so like, like kind of quiet, like, you know, when you ask him a question, he kind of like scratches his chin and thinks about it. And, and uh, so we, we, yes, we touched on those cars. They also debuted uh T 50 S, which is a track version of the T 50 kind of stripped down racing steering wheel. Um, you know, and the car's nuts, right? And again, if you ask him, you're like, uh, you know, zero to 60 times performance. He goes, I have no idea. It was, <laughs> and he goes, I can tell you what the top speed would be based on calculations, you know, horsepower and, and everything. He goes, but uh, I, I, we still haven't even tested it. He goes, I don't even care. And he goes, and, and you get it with a manual. Maybe it's faster with the, you know, with a dual clutch, he's like, I just wanted the ultimate driving experience. Uh, and and I said, when you did McLaren F1, you know, how did that come to be? And he's like, I teamed up with McLaren. He goes, they walked me into a giant warehouse with nothing in it. It was cement and beams. And he said, come up with a, with a road car. And they didn't know if that was going to be entry level supercar or whatever. Uh, and his his idea was supercar. And then he went out and drove the supercars of the day. F40, uh, uh, Bugatti EB110, Jaguar XJ220, uh, you know, anything that was the pinnacle of his day. He drove them all and just like took the notes down of everything. he What he liked, what he didn't like. And then he said how do we fix or better everything that i've just driven and he came up with mclaren f1 now imagine that story in a really kind of posh english accent british accent and, and kind of the humbleness it's almost like you could barely hear him in the interview i hope they got it recorded because we had some audio issues and then somebody fired up the t50s track car outside so i gotta bring the audio back to our producer ben and see if uh we can pull it out so in Hopefully in the future episodes, we'll have some of these interviews, but uh, super intriguing to to talk to him and to see the cars. And then of course, we saw Dario Franchini out front and he was, you know, going to be racing cars. But another thing on the um, on uh, the Gordon Murray engine. So um, Cosworth builds his engines and he's got his V12. That's a high revving. 10,000 something RPM V12. And uh, Adam asked him, and he's like, All right. he's like, and it's overhead cam. And he's like, are you doing it with a chain? You can't be doing it with a belt. And Gordon Murray's like, oh no, you can't. 
you you can't use a chain or a belt. There's too much RPM because it has to be gear driven. And um, and then he brought up an interesting point. He's like, you see the engine. The engine was on an engine stand. He goes, you see the engine out there on the engine stand. And I said, yes. He goes, that's a fully dressed engine. What he meant was that has the starter, alternator, water pump, like everything was on the engine. And it doesn't look like it. It just looks like a block with heads and an intake. And he said, because you can't run a belt on any of the accessories on an engine that powerful, that that RPM, it was really about the RPM and longevity. He goes, everything is gear driven. So you can see the starter is basically mounted into like a into like a billet case. It looks like it's all one piece. because It looks like it's all one piece. Integrated to the block, right? It's exactly right. You nailed it. it everything looks like it's integrated. Uh, it, it just, you know, the dry sump, the starter, the alternator, everything is in there and everything is gear driven. And that allows him to wind that thing out and get the RPM that he wants and do it re- reliably. And those things can unbolt out of it, but that's how it's built. The The front the front cover, basically the case of the front of the engine, is has like a gear drive with everything bolted into it. It's it's fucking cool. <laughs> um, and I know he has a love of Cosworth. Uh, they've built him some unique engines. He's got like his Ford Escort uh, with the Cosworth engine that they kind of built the engine from scratch for him as like a one-off. And I said, so when you were putting this idea together, I said, did you talk to Cosworth and go, this is what I want. Can you build it? Or did you spec out the engine and put it out for bid to like three engine companies? And he said, that's a really good question. He goes, I actually did put it out to multiple engine companies. He goes, he goes, but at the back of my mind, I knew Cosworth already already had the work. I already had the job. All they had to do is come back and say, yes, we can do it. And uh, so he has kind of a love of them. And, and, but listen, it, it gave him an opportunity to have the other, engine builders go, we can do that. And here's an interesting idea. And maybe he would have gone with them, but nobody did that. I don't think people have many more interesting ideas in the engineering than he does. <laughs> you know, like he uh, kind of knew what he wanted. Right. Um, but that was a fascinating interview. It was a fascinating interview. And I hope that God we could hear it. So, uh, and listen, we got into cars that he owns and stuff that he likes without focusing too much on those cars. The same with Jim Farley. Like we touched on him driving the lightning and doing his road trip and, and, uh, and the GTD, but really we just kind of got into racing and his passion and what started him seeing it, this first nine 11 and stuff. So I think those are uh, a little bit more about the people, those two guys that were interesting. Um, Saturday night, we went to uh, this Team Shelby dinner, which was really kind of fascinating. Uh, you know, it's Aaron Shelby. Um, Pete Brock was there, his wife, uh, Gail, and um, uh, Peter Miles, Ken Miles' son. Uh, Peter was there. Uh, you know, and they 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 do some awards. They do some shout outs for the team, you know, Team Shelby family. Uh, uh, you know, when they screened um we we showed a Taylor uh, the trailer of Shelby America or Doc and then Adam and and Aaron Shelby did a little Q and A uh, with it, but um, uh, 
the team Shelby people were very, very sweet to us. They put us at a table up front and it was me and Adam and his and Sonny Corolla, uh, Aaron Shelby and his wife and his kids and Bill Ford, who's William Ford, uh, chairman of Ford, former CEO, chairman and and his two kids. Uh, and I've never got to really sit down and speak with him, but to be able to sit and have dinner with him. And he's Jim Farley's boss. Right. So uh, and he was like, yeah, he's like, when I when I hired Jim, you know, initially and then before he got the CEO role and he was telling stories about it, uh, fascinating story, just fascinating stuff. And and by the way, uh, William Ford, total rock star and both of his sons that were there uh, that I met. Uh, super impressive young men. Uh, uh, one of them is finishing up his NBA. The other one's a little older and starting his job at Ford Motorsport uh, very soon. Um, two very, very nice guys, two you know, young guys, um, well-spoken, super smart, uh, respectful, kind. Like you, you got to be proud as, as dad to sit there at a dinner like that and have those guys on either side of you. And then we saw them at Pebble as well. And they were uh, nothing but the sweetest uh, Bill Ford and his kids and Jim Farley and everybody there was, was super, super sweet, but uh, he kudos. did a good job. I'm saying. Yeah, um, as, dad, for sure. as we know him uh, being a, a, you know, a savvy CEO and chairman, but he, he, he raised his kids. Well, except he did tell the story. I go, Hey, I should go on Wikipedia and learn more about you. He's like, no, don't do that. He was cause my kids try to play a joke. I mean, long ago, they put all this stuff in my wiki page said I was a composer of music and, and he goes, and wiki won't change it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, Age doesn't hear that story. <laughs> all right. Don't, don't, don't go editing the wiki page. Cause you get, uh, you get locked in. Uh, Pebble Beach on Sunday was fantastic. Uh, you know, anything from Delahaye's to, uh, you know, uh, GT40 we saw there, um, like this one of three Ferrari, uh, it wasn't super America, but it was like super aerodynamica as I've never seen it before. Adam's never seen it before. Adam is losing his mind over it. Uh, super cool. Um, we cruised by the auctions, uh, you know, again, crazy numbers. Uh, Jaguar XKSS, I don't know, it's like $13 million. A Ferrari 412P racing car there. Lexus LFA, I like that car. That car is badass as a modern day supercar. That V10 engine, um, that was the car that we had two of those up at Willow Springs and it was just a track day. It was like Paul Walker and me. Um, and we're kind of going back and forth and racing those. There's a few months before he died. Uh, it's such an incredible car. Estimates on these cars are six to seven hundred thousand. Sold for one point one million. Seemed like the numbers were crazy, man. The numbers were were crazy. Uh, pretty good sell through rates, all in the 84, 85, 89 percent range on sell through rates, and on some of these high end cars that have reserves. Uh, that's strong. That's really strong. Um, yeah, some some impressive stuff now. RM Sotheby's had that like barn find Ferrari collection and the, some of the cars were smashed and one had a tire through the windshield on like a 308 and 
And then that mangled up piece of metal is like just a ball of aluminum with a tube frame chassis. Was it a, there was a it, Cobra I saw. It, yeah, no, that was a Ferrari. That's a rare Ferrari 500 um, something, like three made. And that bundled up piece of scrap sold for like $1.8 million. And it had like part of an engine on a pallet and a rear diff on a pallet. And I don't know. It's like we were we were talking about it. And Adam's like, listen, if there's a VIN number here, it's like, and you own the car, you could try to rebuild it. And then Sean uh, is his mechanic. He and I were like, you know what could be interesting? It's like if you're looking to be the next singer or icon or roof or whatever and make or like Jaguar Classic that made a repop, the XKSS sells for $13 million they did like seven or eight like recreations at like a million dollars a piece. If you could take this Ferrari, if you find one of the other originals, I'm sure there's another one out there that's mint condition. Somebody owns it. And you say, listen, uh, we'd love to come and photograph the car, maybe scan the car. We don't need to touch the car. We just want to get all the, you know, measure some shit. If they say yes, and then you've got your ball of scrap. And now you can start to see underneath the body where the, the frame welded together and the, you know, then you could go, Oh, I just spent $1.8 million, but now I'm going to do a limited run of 10 recreations and sell them for 2 million a piece and, and maybe make a little, maybe make a little business out of it. I don't know. Or you put it in a big glass box and you put it in your living room and be like, there's my $1.8 million ball of wadded up aluminum. Yeah. <laughs> That's very practical. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, maybe something along the lines of that, but, uh, all right. That's pretty much it for, uh, for Monterey car week. As you guys know, we're also, uh, uh, launching soon this week. The, the new car cast plus Edmonds, uh, I'm going to jump on the line with Alistair Weaver and, uh, some of it's going to be a little repetitive because we were both at car week and that's what we did, but, um, hopefully you guys will enjoy that show as well. It'll stay, stay, still be on the same RSS feed. You can subscribe to the show and you can listen to the ones you want. Skip over the ones you don't want. It's all good. Um, you got your YouTube channel. You got more in the works. Uh, well, I, you know, also you were shopping for rifles. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, mean, I don't know if you meant to be shopping for rifles, but after you shot them, I think you ended up shopping for rifles. <laughs> well, the truth is that I already they already gave me one of those prior to me shooting that one. It just looked like it just turned out to be a fairly good little commercial for him. But man, that was fun, dude. I went in there. I, I wasn't planning on, I wasn't planning on purchasing another weapon or acquiring another weapon, but I took four shots in that thing and it made two holes. So I'm like, I got to get one of these. So, um, yeah, yeah. Just filled a little bit of time in between me trying to figure out how to be a, a YouTuber. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Goldberg's Garage thing is, it's an undertaking. I mean, a person such as myself would usually have a team of people doing this, but I kind of enjoy it. You know, it's uh, makes me feel like a bit of a buffoon at times because I can't figure it out. But um, it's, you know, in, in waiting in the wings for a show to get on the network, uh, I figured let's share some of the content that we're going to be doing in the future. Um 
with YouTube. So it's fun, man. It's I'm here at the garage every day. Right. So yeah. Um, what's going to be really cool is next week uh, we'll be uh, launching the, the demon 170 video and I can go ahead and show everybody what I actually did with it prior to roadkill. Yeah. Night. So that one will be really cool. That's the first one, uh, for, first full episode coming out of the box. And uh, it's just fun, man. We're just having a good time. I'm just trying to learn along the way and uh, entertain some people without pissing off a lot of people. But I, I tell you what, I put up the the short walkthrough of uh, the garage as the first kind of like teaser. And I made one F up, man. I called the charger of 440 RT a Hemi 440 RT. And I'm like, I, I saw it back and I'm like, Oh shit, I'm going to get nailed for that. And sure enough, it didn't take long. Um, so I, I gotta, I gotta make sure I edit these things properly because you can surely stick your foot in your mouth really quickly and quite easily. Oh, and, and you'll get called out a hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm the last person in the world to screw up a 440 and a 426 Hemi. Right. But I also in the, in the new video coming up, I'll make the disclaimer that I screwed up on the motor in the 170 because it's basically uh, a elephant with a, a with a new blower on it. Yeah, that that's all that it is, right? So, and I said it was a completely new engine. Now, from the Demon, it is a completely new engine, but um, yeah, I'm gonna get roasted if I don't edit those. So <laughs> we're we're gonna be getting off of here today, and I'm gonna go right into the editing booth and try to yeah. Think- up a little bit but yeah you definitely have to go back and pay attention to every little detail uh um, i'm the mopar guy right but you listen uh have fun with it you've got all the fun toys back there and uh uh why not share it a little bit because i'm still curious to to see it because i haven't been out there yet you ain't seen uh, nobody's really seen anything they've seen no. you know short clips of it but you know as far as a walkthrough man it's it'll get pretty detailed it'll be a lot of fun so i'm i'm enjoying it i'm looking forward to it so and I'm learning, actively learning along the way. So, um, right on. I uh, uh, love it. Uh, Goldberg, uh, Goldberg's YouTube channel. You can find it on Goldberg. Just search for Goldberg Garage. I think it's Goldberg Nine Five is the YouTube channel, right? Is on, on YouTube. But you, you guys can find it on there. It's pretty, pretty easy to, to, to find once you search for uh, Goldberg on. Uh, Check it out, and uh, hopefully you enjoy what you see. Hit the subscribe button, and then please let me know what you guys want to see in the future. Um. Yeah. Uh, drinkbravago.com. Thanks for guys. I got a few more orders in this week. We appreciate that. And guys are ordering some shirts and stuff as well, and uh, trying the drink and getting some good feedback. And you know, it's a process, it's a long process, but people seem to like it. And you know, listen, I mean, it's not for everybody, but uh, give it a try. Yeah, we're gonna. We need to have it uh, in conjunction with Goldberg's Garage, so we'll get that yeah. done quick, and hopefully, you can see some ads for Bravago. Uh, All right, so we're going to wrap things up. Thanks so much. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com.